Thank you, Debbie. When Debbie started playing that, um, I'm like Alan. A song can really minister to me. And, and when she started playing that, my mind, I kind of started thinking about, um, and, and the ending was like the intro, you know, it wasn't familiar. It was, uh, and I started praying, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then she starts playing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. So, um, <clears throat> man, maybe there's something great's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, and, and speaking of Debbie, I, I, one Sunday, and Rita, this was, you had said this, um, when I was just filling in, I made a mention about Joel being my brother-in-law. Well, Rita and I not really knowing each other and her not knowing our family real well, thought that meant that Debbie and I were brother and sister, not that Joel and Michelle were brother and sister. So we've claimed that. She is my sister, and uh, we're very happy about that. So um, anyway, you can tell already that uh, there are certain things that I like, certain things that, that I think uh, entertain me, certain things that just mean a lot to me, and mostly those things have to do with kids. Uh, you know, I had uh, my good buddy Linus share from, you know, the Gospel of Luke and share the, the Christmas passage. And, and one, you know, you'll probably hear some stories about Opie and Andy. For those of you who know the Andy Griffith story, I, I think you can learn a lot from those guys. And, um, but, you know, probably we could also learn a lot from one of my family's absolute very favorites, and, and that is Alfalfa. Alpha. And the Little Rascals. And uh, what's really funny about this is, you know, in the early 90s, they redid one of the, uh, an Alpha, uh, a Little Rascals movie. <clears throat> and my family has it memorized. I mean, we have every line of that movie memorized. But what's so funny is I would say something about that in class. And even students today still love that movie and have it memorized. They would still know it line for line. But there's one scene in that movie that I think is appropriate as we kind of think about the year 2020 and finishing out this year. And I think it'll mean a lot into the message that we're going into as well today. Alfalfa is uh, running through town. Um, unfortunately, the previous events, um, he's in nothing except his underwear. And he's running as fast as he can through town because his arch enemy, Butch, and his buddy Worm, they're chasing him. And he gets away from them. And he thinks all is great, everything's fine, and then he, he turns the corner, and there they are. And Alfalfa says, everything was going great. And then God opened up the heavens and said, Alfalfa, I hate you. <laughs> have you ever felt like that? Uh, I, I'm sure all of us have. Um, probably if there's been a year where we have felt like things weren't going very well, just hasn't been our year. It's been this year. Uh, years ago, I heard a great sermon from a, an individual who preached on the psalm, this is the day the Lord has made. And he said, you know, if we really learn what that psalm means, we should never, be, we should never use the statements, well, I'm just having a bad day. No, this is the Lord's day. Now, it may not be going as you had planned or you had foreseen, but this is a good day. It's the Lord's day. And we may think that about this year. Oh, this was just a bad year. This has been the Lord's year. 
Now, it hasn't gone as we wanted. It's not gone as we had planned or foreseen. We've had some obstacles. But I know for me personally, this has been a great year. I mean, the Lord brought me here. I can rejoice in that all day long in the fact that the Lord brought us together. For, for me, you may not, but I do, okay? And so as I began to think about this end-of-the-year message and what the Lord might have for us to say, um, my mind kept going back to a miracle that Jesus performed. Now, um, I don't know how many of you all have watched. I know my class students, we watched it in class and, and my wife, but um, there's a, new, a series that was done this past year called The Chosen I would recommend every one of you watching all nine episodes of The Chosen. It's amazing, and it's, uh, they're about an hour long, um, but it's, it is the story of Christ, but it's more the story of the apostles and how he chose them and called them, and you'll love it. It's, it's, very, very, it's done very well, uh, high quality. You can watch it on YouTube for free, and uh, just look up The Chosen. It's excellent, and I love this miracle, how they portray this miracle in The Chosen. And so I'd like for you, if, if you have your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to the Gospel of John, and let's look at what we entitle as the first miracle. The first miracle of the Lord, it's at a, a wedding in Cana, uh, the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. John chapter 2 I'd like to read verses 1 through 10. John 2, 1 through 10. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Now, in the NIV that I'm reading today, it says, Dear woman, the King James says, woman, uh, I would not recommend you young people saying that to your mom. You know, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. That's the key. You have saved the very best till now. I'd like to say to you today, no matter how good things are, no matter how great life is right now, the best is still yet to be. And let me also encourage you, no matter how horrible or rotten or bad things are, the best is still yet to be. 
And I believe that's the true message of this miracle. Well, as we think about this first miracle of the Lord, there's a few things that I'd like to pull out of this message that I think are important to us today that should encourage us as we finish out this year and begin into a new year with our Lord. We shouldn't just say this is the day the Lord has made. This is going to be the year that the Lord has given us. And I still believe with all of my heart, as we look throughout history, it's when nations, when the world is at its worst, is when the church can shine its brightest. And I believe we are called to be that bright light, just as we've talked about through the entire Christmas season. There are people in the world looking for answers right now that have never searched for answers. They've never cared. But right now, they're desperate. And we have the answer. Uh, do you remember Carmen, the old Christian singer? He said, you know, I, I used to uh, raise my hand. You know, people would raise their hand in church when we'd sing. We were doing that. And he said, I remember asking somebody in my church, why do you raise your hand? I said, well, what do you do when you know the answer in school? We raise your hand. She said, well, we know the answer. And that's why we raise our hand. We know the answer is Jesus Christ. We have the answer. We have the solution to every issue, to every problem. And it's our turn. It's our time to shine the brightest. Well, let's look at this miracle a little bit deeper. First of all, I believe that Jesus is interested in the common. He loves the things that we just take for granted that are just very common. He loves common people. He loves common things, common places. Cana in Galilee was not the best of places to be. It's not like they were in the city of Jerusalem and in, in the Temple Mount where all the dignitaries would have been and the high priests would have been, all the important people would have been. It's not as if they were in Herod's temple where all the great politicians were and the king himself. No, they're in a little small town, rough little village of just commoners, common people who lived common lives doing common things, and that's where we find Jesus wants to be. We really don't know much about this couple getting married. The Bible tells us nothing about them. Now, I think we can infer some things. Usually, you only invite people to the wedding that you know, people that you have a relationship with, maybe family members. Maybe, just maybe, this is somehow related to the family of Joseph and Mary. And so they now have been invited to this wedding. And of course, if we're inviting Joseph and Mary, we know their son Jesus is older and on his own now, but we can't invite Joseph and Mary and not invite Jesus. And he's got all these buddies now, these friends that are hanging out with him. I guess we should just go ahead and invite them as well. Because the Bible tells us Mary was there. Jesus is there. We know by this point Joseph has probably passed. And they invite, and it says, and the disciples were there. They're all invited. Maybe they were just friends. They all knew each other. They all, these people knew the disciples. And so let's just invite them all. Let's bring it all in. And, and unlike what we really have today, weddings were a multi-day event that you really had a pretty big, I'm not even going to say celebration. It was a party for days and days. Uh, in the Chosen video, I love it because when Mary comes and tells Jesus they, they're out of wine, Simon says, it's only the first day. You know, he's worried about this, you know. They know this is a big, big deal. They also know 
these are commoners and don't have the money to just go out and buy more. But Jesus has an interest in them. That encourages me because I'm just a common guy. There's nothing outstanding, nothing that puts me or promotes me into an important place in the status of the world today. And if Jesus was just as interested in those common people that lived common lives doing common things back then, he could be just as interested in my common stuff. We uh, were at a, a service one time. It was a minister's meeting. So all in attendance there were just pastors and their families. And they had brought in a speaker to come in, and, and uh, he, he said he was out of town, and he was speaking, and a, a son called him. And he said, Dad, I need you to swing by the house. He said, my toilet's not working. And I have no idea how to fix it. I need you to come and help me. And he said, son, I'm not even in the state. I, I can't come and help you. I don't know what you're going to do because there's no way I can come and help you. So end of the conversation, nothing big, no, no big deal. So he said the next night, he said, you know, I was to be there again and preach. And he said that morning, my son called me. He said, hey, Dad, I fixed it. Well, great, son. What would you do? And he said, I know you'll probably think this is crazy, but I got down on my knees and I prayed, Lord, you're going to have to help me fix this. And it was as if the Lord showed me every mechanism of how a toilet worked. And I got in there and I fixed it. So I don't need you now. Well, son, that's great. Well, you know, he said, I thought it was kind of funny. So I thought, I'm going to share that tonight in my message. So he shared that, you know, boy, the Lord will just answer any kind of prayer. You know, he shared it. And then <laughs> the next night he came back and a woman came to him right before the service. She said, I got to tell you a story. She said, last night you told about your son. Well, my toilet's not been working for months. I've had to go to, in my apartment, I've had to go next door, and I've asked my landlord over and over and over again. After I heard your message, I went home, and I prayed, and it was like I knew exactly how it worked. I knew every mechanism, and I fixed it myself. And his reaction immediately, which I think was spirit-led, was this. He says, isn't it amazing that we've got a father who loves us so much that he loves to help us fix our stuff? And he said, I just pictured a dad whose little boy comes to him with a broken toy. And what dad would turn away his child with a broken toy? No, I love to help you fix this. Let me help you fix your stuff. We have a Lord who loves to help us. Even though we don't deserve it, we're just these common, everyday people. The Lord wants to be there. Another thing that it teaches us that Jesus accepts every invitation that's offered to him. Even though these people were just common people, they invited him and he accepted. Isn't it nice to know today that every invitation we ask of Jesus Christ, he accepts? Every time we invite him into something, he's there. When we invite him into our homes, into our services, which I think is crazy that we invite Jesus to come to our worship service, he's here. He's inviting us. But anything that he, anything he receives, he accepts. And especially when we open our hearts and we invite him into our lives, he always accepts the invitation. Jesus loves the common things. He loves common people who live in common places, who do common things. And that's you and that is me. And I love the fact that he doesn't accept invitations out of the have to. I'll admit, being in ministry, there's a lot of invitations I've had to accept.
because I had to accept them. You had to. You don't want to go, but you have to go. Jesus wants to go. It's never an object of obligation with Jesus. It's his desire. When he's invited, he wants to come. He wants to be a part of your lives. So that miracle proves that Jesus loves us. He loves me. And he will accept any invitation that I offer. Another is this. I believe this miracle shows us the purpose of Jesus in the world. His purpose. We read this passage of scripture a little bit earlier. Um, the, the passage is actually Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. Uh, these are words of Isaiah. But he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's going to be 2021, by the way. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. His purpose, this is what I've come to do. Paul said in Acts, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power on how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I think we can sum the purpose of Jesus completely in, in one statement that's found in Luke where it just says, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. That's the purpose that Jesus had. But he kind of shows us that in this passage, and he shows us how that purpose will be fulfilled. We'll look at that a little bit later. The purpose of Jesus. He says to the servants, fill the jars with water. So, that, so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. The purpose of Jesus Christ is to bring transformation and change. Anything and everything that has an encounter with Jesus will not remain the same. It cannot remain the same. You have had an encounter with Jesus and he changed you. I have had an encounter with Jesus and he changed me. And praise the Lord, he's not done. He continues to change me. Well, I continue to have encounters with the Lord to be changed and transformed into what? To be more like him. That's his purpose, is to make us more like himself. Paul said it in Romans. We have been predestined to this. Churches get all tied up. And what does predestination mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. We were created to be like Jesus Christ. He is molding us and forming us and transforming us and changing us to be like him. Jesus took water and he changed it, transformed it into wine. He showed us his purpose. He talks about those that are lame, those that are blind, and he heals them. Those who are oppressed, those who are in prison, and he frees them. And then Paul said in Acts, by God's power that was with him through the Holy Spirit, this is how this happens, this transformation that you and I need daily in our lives. We need to be transformed. We need to be changed. And that is exactly how the Lord works. My father passed away this past year in July, and he was a great, great preacher. There, there are a lot of great things my dad did, and I would say that the two 
greatest skills that he had outside of being a father and husband uh, would be his preaching. That would be number one, one of the greatest preachers I ever heard. And number two, he was a master carpenter. He could build anything. Um, just about every home we lived in, my dad built from the ground up. Uh, back when it wasn't such a difficult task, he would even just get himself certified and do all the electrical and all the plumbing himself. Uh, an amazing, amazing craftsman. And one year, my mom worked for a department store that was going out of business, and she called my dad, and he called me, uh, and I think maybe even Michelle too. We, had to bring, we didn't have a truck, so we had to bring every car, every vehicle we owned. Because the, the department store, all of their shelving in the back warehouse part of their store, it had metal uh, corners and poles. And then all in between was this knotty pine lumber. Rough, dirty, and ugly lumber. And Dad wanted all of it. I mean, we probably took three loads in our cars to get it all home. Now... I've been blessed. I've been able to get some nice tools over the years. Dad didn't. Most of my dad's tools were hand tools. He had very few power tools available. And in his garage, he began to take that wood. And he began to sand it and shape it, cut it. Now is one of the most beautiful uh, treasure, treasures we would ever have in a hope chest that he built from that pine that he gave to my wife that Christmas. Just absolutely gorgeous that he built with that. I would have never dreamed that was the same lumber, the same wood. But that's what a master carpenter can do. Hmm, isn't it odd that our Lord starts his life in a career as a carpenter? Learning how to change and transform and take something that's beat up and ugly and rough-edged and make it what he wants it to be. And you and I sometimes are ugly and beat up and have rough edges. And he transforms us and he changes us and forms us to be what he would have us to be. Well, this miracle, it shows that the Lord loves us common people. He loves the common things, loves the common places, loves the common people, never ever rejects an invitation. He always accepts an invitation. It shows his purpose. His purpose was to come into this world and change it, to change and transform us. Do we need transformation in this world today? Do we need the change that is brought by the Holy Spirit of God in our world today? Amen. If ever we did, we need it now. And lastly, what does this miracle prove? It, it shows his methods and how this is going to get done. Verses 7 through 10 shows his methods. Jesus said to the servants. I'm going to just stop right there. If Jesus can turn water into wine, he could have filled the jars with water with no help. I mean, he could have just said, oh, there's water in the jar now. And it would have been there, right? But he didn't. He tells someone else, fill the jars with water. He uses other people. And so he says to them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus did not need any help. He needed no help at all. That's, 
a fact I think you would agree with me. And yet, Jesus chooses for his method in this change and transformation to use others. That includes you and me. Think about it. Jesus could have fed 5,000 people. And yet he said, I'm going to take this little boy who's willing to give and use his lunch. And then I'm going to take these disciples who need to get a little more faith and let them pass this all out. Jesus could have walked down the streets one day and looked at a paralytic and said, you're healed, get up. And yet he allowed four friends to tear the roof off of a house just to bring them to Jesus. He could have just not even allowed Lazarus to die. He could have healed him beforehand. And yet, so God's glory would be seen. Lazarus dies. And now he comes to the tomb and says, roll the stone away. He has to have someone. He didn't need help for that. Yet he tells someone to do it. And then even when Lazarus comes out, he tells the disciples, this is one of those places where as a disciple, you know, and Jesus is saying, now which one of you are going to do it? I'm going to go, you guys go ahead. And he goes, take those grave clothes off of him. Unbind him. He uses others to get the job done. He used a father to bring his demon-possessed son to him. There's a song, uh, uh, I don't know if anybody's heard a quartet. I'm sorry, it's a trio, male trio. Uh, They write some incredible music, great, great singers. They did a song years ago called Common Garments. And it's a great song, and it, it talks about, like, here, this garment that these Roman soldiers are gambling for is the same garment that a woman fought through the crowd just to touch and be healed. And the course of it says this, if God can use an old common garment to change a life, then imagine what he can do through you and me. God uses us. That's his method of bringing change into this world. He doesn't work around us. He works through us. He gives us that power. The Lord wants us to be a part of those miracles. He wants us to be a part of the change and transformation. In John 10 and 10, he says, I have come that you may have life and life to its fullest. You and I, we want more. We want to be a part of something big. Jesus has said, I'm here. This is the biggest, and I want you to be a part of it. I want to use you for it. And he is able. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I used this verse in uh, chapel service at Mansfield Christian one time, and I stopped there and I said, Think about it. I can imagine a lot. I've got a big imagination. Maybe some of you do too. And yet the Lord is saying, I can do immeasurably more than you can even imagine. But Lord, I can imagine big. I can do more. That's the Lord that we serve. Well, I want to close with this. Verses 10 and 11. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. That is certainly not the way it is with the world. (laughs) Certainly not. They want to give you the best to impress you. And I I can prove this. Cell phone plans. 
My family's been with one company going on 15, 16, maybe longer than that years. But if somebody who does not have that company walked in off the street, they can get a better deal than I can after being a customer for 16 years. Why? We got to impress them, give them the very best at the beginning. Once we've hooked them in and got them, we really don't care. Am I right? And that's just one example. That's the world. That's the world that we live in. That's not the way it is with Jesus. Jesus is saying the best is yet to be. You see, in this miracle, Jesus comes out saying, you thought it was good. You thought it was good. But the best is still coming. The best is still yet to be. I started with this. It doesn't matter how great your year has been. It doesn't matter how good things are right now. It doesn't matter if you're on cloud nine. The best is still yet to be. It doesn't matter if you're having a horrible time, a horrible year. Things have never been worse. Good news. The best is still yet to be. We need to know that message. That the Lord has better for us. Even those who've received their final reward. The best is yet to be. I've been in a lot of places where church members, we knew, we're in your final minutes. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of being with a pastor who was a former pastor of the church I was pastoring. We were in a nursing home room, and we knew it will be today. And maybe some of you have been in this same place and time. He would lay there very, very peacefully for a long time. And then all of a sudden, he would begin to fight. And he would become very agitated. He would roll around in his bed and yell out and even scream. And, and people would try to calm him down. He'd push them away. And you, you thought, you know, is he in pain? What's going on? And after a few minutes of that, he'd settle back down and rest again. And a nurse came in, and, and she said, well, you know, when he's at peace, he, he's feeling okay. And then when his life is starting to slip away, he's fighting it, and he's battling it. And immediately, as if the Holy Spirit just sat in that room and told me something, said, nope, you're completely backwards. The times that he's the most alive is when he's at peace. It's when he's laying there and at peace, he's already feeling like he's in the Lord's presence. He's already having that heavenly vision. And it's when he starts thinking about this earth again, he starts fighting because he doesn't want to be here. It's not that he doesn't want to pass on. He doesn't want to be here and he's fighting staying here. He got it backwards because he knows the best is yet to be. The best is still coming. And the fight isn't to stay here. That's not, I'm not trying to fight off death. 
I'm trying to fight off this life. I'm ready. And my Lord's come to take me. And it wasn't long before that final peace came. It's not been a very good year. It's not. It's not been what we'd hoped for or wanted. We look around even in this room and we see people that normally sit in these pews with us who aren't here. And we all start talking about, oh, I look forward to the day when this is all behind us and over. And we can get back to, what. go ahead and say it, normal. Well, as your pastor, I don't ever want to be normal again. Because I want it to be better. The best is still yet to be. When we look back at this year, we can look back and say, Oh, that year taught me God has greater things in store. He is able to bring more than I can even imagine, more than my brain can even fathom. And he has it planned, and he wants me to be a big part of it. Even though I'm just this little common person living in a common place, it doesn't matter. I've invited him in. He's accepted my invitation. His purpose is to change me so that I can change others and change this world. And he's going to use me to be a part of it. He's got great plans. And I would say to you, live every, every day anticipating the best is yet to be. Let's stand and you pray with me today. Lord Jesus, the best is coming. It doesn't matter where we are, what we're going through. It doesn't matter what has happened or even what will happen. The best is yet to be. Just like that master of the banquet pulled out and tasted that wine and realized, this is the best we've had. You proved us. I've got greater things in store that you can't even imagine. The best is coming. Lord, I just ask today, let us be encouraged that you love us. You're a father who loves to help his children. You are a God who looks upon us as if we're the most important people on this earth. And you look at every one of us that way. Lord, I just pray we might be able to see ourselves the way you see us. That we're not common people. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, children of the King. We are the bride, and one day the bridegroom will come. Lord, I just pray that as we make that invitation to you, that we would know with assurance you're going to accept that invitation. That, Lord, you would begin to transform us and to change us. That's your purpose. And that, Lord, your method is to use us then to be a change and transform others in this world. Just as we talked about to be that light into this world, to be the salt that changes things. That's what you said we are. Because the best is yet to be. And Lord, I thank you for the anticipation of what's to come. Not to get back to normal, but to greater things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this song over one another, okay? Oh, Lord, bless.
imagine a time where really the entire world was in chaos and you had these religious followers of God at that time waiting for a Messiah who are under a Roman rule and they're very oppressed people hated people and yet they still kept waiting and then you have this small group of men who are chosen to follow the Messiah and I'm sure every day they thought, when's it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And of all places, at a wedding, the mother of our Lord comes and says, I need you. I need you to do something for me. And he says, it's not my time. You know, I'm sure he had probably had to tell the disciples that many times. It's not my time yet. But Lord, why don't you do it? It's not time yet. But on that night, the Lord, the Lord had to do some communion with his father. 
Because he knew, once I start this, once I do this, it's never going to stop. This starts everything right now. Can you imagine the Lord reaching his hand in that water knowing, the moment that I do this, my public ministry begins. And he's willing. And it has not stopped. (laughs) And it will not stop. It's more powerful today than ever. And the best is still yet to be. I love all of you so much. It's been so good to start getting to know more of you by name and learning who you are and your families. And thanks for being patient with us. we got a lot of people traveling today. Pray for them um, that they can enjoy their time and make it back to us safely. Pray for those we mentioned earlier that aren't feeling well. And let's just pray that the Lord just does like that night and says, now it starts. And it's never going to stop. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.